listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 443. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dwayne, as we continue our journey with season one of the Fox series Fringe. And just as a reminder, we typically record either Monday or Tuesday, so any feedback needs to be in by Sunday night, Eastern time. So, dude, for the uh, four or five listeners out that out there that actually care, you and I have been put out of our misery. Uh, the Ravens yes. lost over the weekend, and you know, in, in retrospect, even had they won, they still wouldn't have made the playoffs. Right. So, and they would have had a slightly worse draft spot. So, I mean, exactly. This is all kind of like sour grapes, I guess. Kind of, maybe. I don't know. There, it's really not. I, I went into it before the game, thinking that I. Obviously, I do want them to win, but if they don't, I'm not going to be super upset because, uh, you know, even if they made the playoffs, they would get destroyed in the first round. So it would have been just another week of anxiety for me, (laughs) which actually I discovered last night. Well, not discovered, but it's just kind of like as I'm watching the national championship last night between Georgia and Alabama, I'm like, I don't really care who wins this game. I just want to see a good football game. And I did. Oh, uh, no, no, no. No, no. Alabama cannot win. No, sorry. Okay. I, I'm not I don't I don't like Georgia, but right. <laughs> I'm not I'm not an Alabama hater. Uh you know, I just in, in, in this case, I I mean if anything, I maybe I was slightly favoring Georgia as not having won it since nineteen eighty, but yeah, really just didn't care. I'm like, this is kind of refreshing. You know, yeah, I'm not know sitting there getting mean. upset over every drop ball. I'm not shouting at the television whenever the ref throws a flag. You know, I'm like, I'm just sitting back and enjoying a football game. It was nice. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, uh, before we go on, we want to thank our Patreon supporters. If you're interested in becoming one of them, there's a link over to the right of the website, which is sci-fi TV rewatch.podbean.com. And you can also go to patreon.com slash sci-fi TV rewatch. If you want to reach us, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can do that. All right. So the, uh, what we're watching this week, uh, I'll go ahead and go first this time. All right. Um, I'm nearing the end of my Battlestar Galactica rewatch nice. in season three, so I still have you know the the entire season four to go, but things are starting to fall into place. I finally got to see the season two premiere of The Witcher, and as I've been told, it was awesome, and and I love season one. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, and I don't think you watch BattleBots, do you? I, I mean, I know of it. I I think I've probably seen an episode or two here or there but not not i'm not like an avid watcher at all oh my god i i, I love battle bots and, <laughs> and it's just you know I was, as my wife was trying to get into my head it's like what is it you like about the show well I, you know i i've come to really detest boxing it, it's just so brutal a sport that i you know without getting into you know a big thing i'm not sure it really has a place in our society at this time and place but battle bots is it's like the best of both worlds it's like a boxing match between machines right and i mean for three minutes the these incredible pieces of technology are just kicking the shit out of each other (laughs) And, and and you know like the other one it's like in within 30 seconds the one of them catches on fire and it's on fire the whole time and yet it's so well built it keeps running right you know, it didn't win yeah but uh, 
Now, the, the finally, the last show that my wife and I well, when, got when around I to think You're going to regret those comments when our the robots take over, dude. Like they're going to have well, this on, that that may be a record, and they're going to come knocking be. on your door for that. But that's all right. <laughs> that may be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've mentioned that we really are into these international crime dramas, and we finally got around to checking out the British detective drama Line of Duty, which fo- uh, follows this fictitious organization that that investigates police uh, misconduct and corruption. And the only problem is the way it's it's uh, written is that you learn in the first 20 minutes allegedly who the bad guy is or bad woman. In this case, in season three, which we're on now, it's it's Thandie Newton from Westworld is the uh, person under investigation. So you're there the entire series just like on needles and pins that they better get this person because the endings are not always as neat as you might like. So uh, it's a great show, Line of Duty. Unfortunately, <laughs> there are six seasons out there, and Amazon's only going to let me watch the first four, apparently. So mm. there it is. Anyway, all right, what do you got? Okay. Well, uh, there's a bunch, but so I'm like kind of trying to – I mentioned some things really quick as we've talked about them before. So I went back and um, this is like actually two weeks ago. I went back and rewatched all the Matrix movies, and um, you know I still hold to my my comments before that we when we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I still you know I know not always a popular opinion, but I, I like all of them. I even like the sequels, and I really liked the uh, the newest one. Again, I know it's not popular, but I liked it. Um, I actually went back and watched Blade Runner and Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Uh, they're oh. both available on HBO Max right now. So, yeah, watching those, uh, you know, two nights in a row or whatever, <clears throat> really, really cool. Uh, two two really excellent movies. Um, I know uh, 2049 never got the kind of legendary status that the original got, but I think still, uh, you know, really good movie. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I yeah. love that. So the next thing, uh, the movie that... I watched this was a buddy of mine texted us I guess it was like Saturday night it was like you know quarter of 11 he's like 11 o'clock class action park is going to be on TNT and I was like eh. you know this is the movie he'd been telling me about a while and I was just like ah, eh, you know I was in the middle of watching The Expanse and then like the next night I went and realized it was on HBO Max so I don't know have you ever heard about this movie this documentary no so, um, not being from New Jersey or the New York metropolitan area, we do not know what Action Park was back in the 80s and 90s. But apparently, well, not apparently, oh. it was a like a uh, amusement park. Basically, the rides, the 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 rides and the things there were were insane. People got legit hurt at this place all the time. Um, actually, six people died there, which I guess. Yeah, I mean, when you when you say it like that, it sounds bad, but I I guarantee you, people die every summer at amusement parks. You know, like, but this place was legit, not safe, but it was super popular. You know, basically the staff were all teenagers. Um, There's like this guy who had worked there for like two years and had been promoted to head of security. He was like 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. You know, Um, so it was run by kids. There was kids going there. It was it was crazy. People got hurt all the time, 
And and this movie is like for this one thing, they have a water slide, a tube enclosed water slide, that's like a like the a, a complete loop, which if you think about it, that is insane, right? Because you're going down like feet first, and then you're going up around this loop feet first and everything. Um, you know, they said people got stuck in there all. The, they even had a hatch in the top of the loop so they could get people out who got stuck and everything. It, it, you know, it's it's really kind you of said like the hatch. Do you <laughs> want to talk about Lost after this? No, I do not, Dave. So what it you know actually it, it ends up being kind of like a metaphor of and what like my friends and I were talking about of of maybe our kind of generation being like pretty much the last generation that that got to just be kids and go out and ride around and and do stuff without having their parents monitoring them 24 seven. Right. Which that's how how kids had been raised in every generation previously. And it was like, really, if you grew up in the eighties, that was kind of the end of it. Cause after that, you know, which again, you know, it's probably more proper for sociologists to, to guess at why it happened that all of a sudden, you know, kids have to be super safe all the time and, and need to wear like helmets and even things, I mean, things I made my kids do, you know, um, and how that happened, how we moved to just, you know, being able to get on my bike, leave, be out all day. My mom has no idea what I'm getting up to as long as I'm back for dinner to, you know, having my kids all on a GPS app. So I know where they are every single minute of the day. I don't know how that happens, but uh, a really good documentary um, starts off kind of crazy. It's like, it's actually really because there's like, um, it it gets to a point where it gets like serious. So like, there's like a lot of things I was laughing out loud because a lot of these things are crazy that happened there. A lot of things they did were insane and they're kind of funny, but then it gets to a point where it gets like serious and all of a sudden all the craziness and the humor like stops dead. Um, so, but it was a really, really good movie, uh, really enjoyable, really kind of thought provoking, a lot of good stuff in there. So yeah, class action park, I would definitely recommend. All right. Well, why don't we jump into some fringe season one, episode five titled power hungry written by Julia Cho and Jason Cahill, Directed by Christopher Miziano, aired October 14th, 2008. You know, not one of my favorite nope. fringe episodes. Nope. And uh, Starting off with I, the I, title. Yeah, I, I want to say I'm not sure why, but I, I think there are a lot of reasons. But I think when you, you look at the episode as a whole, I mean, the, the team deals with the present danger, but... By the time we get to the end, we're five episodes in and we're no closer to finding anybody who's really behind the pattern. And I guess that's fine. You you know, I mean, this is a series that they had no idea they were going to get five seasons. So they're, I, I guess, operating as if, all right, we've got 20 episodes and then we see what happens. So, you know, I'm not sure what I really expect out of, uh, you know, the show at this point and and revealing who's behind. I mean, obviously we consider Nina sharp and massive dynamic, but I'm not even sure. I mean, is that well, because she's tight with broils within his broils part of it too. You know, like there's, there's layers upon layers. We don't really know. Yeah. And certainly I don't know if it's because this one doesn't really answer questions for us so much as, 
you know, I don't know. It's like the danger never seemed like super dangerous, you know, and we never like, you know, we never felt that like Olivia and, and Peter were really in any kind of danger. Once they figured out, they picked up the bad guy pretty quickly and easily. Um, so, you know, all these things, that, you know, even though I will admit, and this is what I was thinking about today, I, I had a grade in my head. And then I start thinking, do I really want to give it that grade? I'm like, is that being fair? Like, think about things you 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 really. And I didn't hate this, so I'm not going to sit here and and just crap all over it. But I wanted like kind of all right. What was like what was really good in this episode? I thought, all right, the pigeons were pretty freaking cool. That was pretty well, good. And the <laughs> right and the concept behind using the pigeons was pretty cool. Yeah. So I I think. You know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but my feeling, and it sounds like maybe you're this way. There there are a lot of small details that that really pick this episode up when so many of the things kind of just left you a little bit flat and, yeah. and, and certainly that was one there were some you know some awesome dialogue. I mean, you know, when Astrid says to uh, Walter, "Do you think this is going to work?" and he's like. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, just like great stuff like that, um, you know, as well. So the observer this time is pretty evident, you know, in that early scene. He exits. The right. Now that we know to look the for him, we're going we're gonna to catch him every time. Right. And, and, and the fact that he is observing this, uh, I mean, what do we make of that? It, it, it's as if I, I think we can certainly speculate he knows that this accident this incident is going to take place and he's there yeah, he what, was, to make sure that it does he was hoofing it out of that elevator so well he, well, he was that's yeah, for sure pretty pretty assume he, he pretty much knows what's going to go on but yeah i mean i think that's notable too i mean not that he'd want to stick around in the elevator but you know if he really wanted to observe he could get a front row seat he could take the ele- ride down the elevator but uh so yeah i don't know yeah so i mean it certainly seems as if he knows that these things are going to take place. And then the question is, well, is he just there to verify that they do? Or is he there to verify that something happens to change the way the incident transpires? In this case, Olivia's team. And, you know, of course, at this point, they don't do anything to stop that incident. But, you know, as you said, they, they track down uh, Joseph Megar and... We'll go from there. Um, You know, I mean, really following Joseph Megar and and getting to the bottom of what's causing all these incidents is the main story. But but they also give a lot of airtime to Olivia hallucinating John Scott. And, you know, one of the things I jotted down in my notes is, is this communication with John just maybe a bridge too far. Are we supposed to consider the possibility that he's alive? I mean, I know, you know, you know, we get those scenes and, and I think you and I mentioned a few episodes back when this thing first started, uh, the haunting of Hill House. And as the viewer, we knew what was a hallucination and what was not. Right. So we see the scene you know, here where Olivia's talking to talking to John in that hallway. And then, you know, Peter comes up. And, of course, the camera shows us that, well, he's not there, and Peter didn't see him, so we know she's imagining him. But I, 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 I don't know what to really make of this, you know, th- this whole thing. But 
one of the first things I did want to say, because I, I've mentioned a couple of times, I'm not a big fan of Charlie, but you know, in, in one of the early scenes where she tells Charlie about seeing John, and I know it sounds crazy, and his approach to her is so heartfelt. I mean, the advice that, what did you expect? This guy that you loved and trusted betrayed you. What do you think that goes away right. in a couple of days? Right. I mean, he's such a good guy. He's so sympathetic. So you know, I still don't like how Kirk Acevedo, his character seemed to always be shouting. But in this episode, everything was toned down. And I really Right, well, really, we're we're gonna have to come to blows here if you keep talking about Charlie like this, Dave. So you know, just I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying I like him here. This was right. a this was a uh, well, you know, yeah. one thing which which you know, at least I thought pretty much right away. I'm like, well, remember when you shared your consciousness with him, Olivia? <laughs> it's like. Might that have something to do with it? I think that might be the first place I'd go with that. I don't, it, it's kind of silly, I think, that uh, she needs Walter to to point that out to her when it's just like, dude, like you you not figuratively had him in your head. You literally were sharing your consciousness. So the idea that some of that could be residual or something. I mean, that is in the context of the show is not so crazy. I think Fred mentioned something like that, too. You know, like in in the regular world, it's freaking insane. But in the context of Fringe, it's kind of, you know, par for the course. Well, it is. But I think you, you also have to look at Olivia. And, and we said before, she does not have a science background. And of course, she's a quick study. But... It would seem to me that it would be entirely plausible that she thinks, as Charlie thinks, that you've had this emotional and physical trauma with John Scott. So, uh, of course, you think you see him. It's just as a viewer, we see her carrying on these conversations with her. Again, not unlike uh, Baltar and uh, Six in Battlestar Galactica. And then the camera pans back and we see he's just like... He's kissing at the air yeah. and, and people are looking at him and like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so I, I think it's reasonable that she doesn't make that leap to Walter's explanation. Well, except of course, for when John starts helping her solve the case. Well, see, and this is where it gets muddy for me because how does he know what's going on in real time? I mean, okay, fine. They linked consciousness, but he's dead, supposedly. Now, maybe he's really not, but I'm operating under the assumption that whatever uh, John Scott consciousness she has access to, it's pretty much up to the point when they were hooked up. And that anything that happened after that, why would he know that? And I'm not sure I'm being clear with. Well, if, if well, again, from what we know at the end, if his consciousness is rattling around inside her head then he's gonna see what she sees and he's gonna hear what she hears right so he can okay but then okay so then his consciousness is alive it's not as if she's accessing his database to to you know i I don't think so those terms yeah okay well that's even cooler and and again within the world of fringe it it, it's not preposterous even though 
you know, it, it certainly could sound that way. Uh, I, I mean, certainly we get to that that final scene where she's driving home and she sees him walking on the street and, and he leads her to that locked door, shoots her way in. I'm not sure why she had to shoot her way in, but, you know, come on. I mean, everybody else picks a lock, but whatever. And, you know, so that once she gets in there and finds his office with all of these files and and the investigations he's been conducting, I, we assume around the pattern, well, I can go with that because that would have already been in his consciousness and she would have access to that. So, you know, that makes sense to me. What do you think about the engagement ring? You know, I, I think maybe the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, you know, but then I'm like, well, you know, earlier in, in the show, he says, I'm going to prove to you that I love you. Right. And yeah. he leads her to this place. You know, and where the engagement ring is. So, okay, there he did. You know, he quad right. ergo demonstrandum. Right. So, what proves he loves her more, the files or the ring? Well, I, I mean, I'm taking the shot in the dark to say the ring here. I think. You know. Oh, see, I'd go with the files. Really? This is Olivia Dunham. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. No, no, she's not really. She seems more concerned with the ring, bro. I'm thinking, but yeah. Okay, okay. But yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, yeah. you're right though. Both of them are pretty nice gifts. So, so uh, anything else about this aspect of the story you want to bring up? I don't think so. So you know, you know, you think like the it's you know we're just past the holiday season and you know the song you know I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. If only Peter had shown up just a little bit sooner. What would he have seen Liv doing outside the soda machine, right? Well, that's true. Um, and, well, when she went to uh, their apartment and he answers the door, I think he's just wearing his boxers. And did you see her eyes kind of just glance down for a second? I did not see that. but It was a quick, it was a quick uh, one. A cheeky but, uh, monkey. I know. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's talk about the Joseph Megar trail with apologies to uh washington irving and and authors of that ilk uh meager meager um yeah i think that's a that's an obvious well, one especially that's, that's being fine. from worcester yeah you gotta yeah. say it like that man right like that's i think that's my sister-in-law is from there you know his mother is just oh my god just unbearable i'm surprised he hasn't killed her already uh, um that's not and, funny but, you know he just seems to be this loser difficult time at home at work super awkward and you know and you want to not like his boss but his boss is not being unreasonable yeah. you know we're a delivery service i need people that are dependable and don't screw up and, and like neither our, of those are our, you our, at work when you're supposed to be at work you know like yeah yeah. um and then when we see him delivering you know that that piece of mail to the the business and the girl he's had a crush on that he's you know stalking and he's got i don't know how many you know pictures he's taken clearly without her knowledge you know I i mean yes he's a victim there's no question but there's and i think that's part of why i don't like this episode that that yes he's a victim that's obvious but he's just such an unlikable character at least for me too just too awkward we feel bad for him at the end you feel bad for him because he's like i just want to go home oh you mean the home where you killed your mom that home that's where you want to go um you know it's like even that i guess now that i think about it i'm like 
kind of holding him in contempt a little bit. Um, yeah, he's just way too, like the stalking thing. It's just that's just like we don't even root for him. You know, usually like you know the the swarmy guy in the suit coming. Hey, you know, I see you tonight. Oh, you got to have me back in time. You know, like all that. Right. It would be like ah man, I freaking hate that. But we're like. You know, that guy's so – I can see why she would, like, obviously go for that dude instead of Joseph because Joseph just – Sure. He's now, just and, a mess. And she's friendly. She's friendly to Joseph. You know, right. she she's obviously knows him. Oh, you don't have your tablet with you and, 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 you know, but she's not flirting with him. And clearly he's – I don't think we could uh, call what he's doing flirting and maybe flirting in his, you know – yeah. Megar uh, way. Hey, but, uh, you got Weebler's badges? Oh nice, dude. Was, oh, that was a, just <laughs> that's the way to the woman's heart, bro, for sure. <laughs> oh my god! But, yeah. Uh, so I mean, like I, I, you know, we are we're kind of naturally programmed to you know feel some level of sympathy for guys like Joseph Megar, but you know, like the taking the pictures of the girl and everything—that's just too weird, man. You know, like yeah. And and that's really what triggers the incident when when she sees on his phone and and I mean he's already jealous after uh, you know seeing her reaction to that guy that comes by her desk and you know obviously they're going to go out that night but you know the, the the way that incident transpired it was a pretty cool visual you know as we see as we're in the parking garage looking at the door. And we're waiting, and we're waiting, and then boom, that explosion, yeah. and everything goes out. That, that was pretty cool. That, that was good. That was that was nice, nice directorial work there. Yeah, um, but then we're back at the lab, and, and and Walter tells Peter that the killer seems familiar. And again, are we starting to overuse this? That every case, every week, is something that Walter worked on previously. I mean, I guess it's not unheard of that he worked with William Bell and that Massive Dynamic has become, you know, the, I guess the largest. It's like Amazon and Apple and Microsoft all in one, the way they're, you yeah. know, making it seem. So I, I guess maybe it's not unrealistic to look at that. But, you know, from a narrative standpoint, um, yeah, I don't know. I, they're they're going to the well quite a bit. I won't say too much yet. But. Right, but I mean, on the other hand of that, we we really, if we haven't started to see it yet, you know, we see for sure now that that Walter is inextricably linked to all of this. Like, you know, like he had something to do with all this stuff that's going on. He's kind of the center of it, and he just doesn't even remember it. Yeah. Oh, he tells Peter how frustrating it is to not have access to parts of his mind. And, you know, we've talked about the relationship between father and son, how it does seem to be improving. Peter is learning to deal with his father's eccentricities, and, and, and father is trying to be aware of those and, and how much they annoy his son. So, you know, they are getting better, but, but that was a pretty significant thing to tell him. And, and I guess it's understandable after 17 years in St. Clair's, I mean, we don't get the idea that Walter even had access to books and, and things that would stimulate his mind. So we're not really sure what his 17 years at St. Clair's were really like. And I, I think that would be, 
that would be something that I think it would be worth investing a little bit of time in sure. with an episode. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I don't remember if they ever do or not. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm like 95% sure that they go back to St. Clair's at some point, but I can't remember why really. So, yeah. And that's actually kind of the cool thing about rewatching Fringe now. It's like it's been so long since I've seen right. it that, like Walter, there's parts of my memory I just can't have access to. So, yeah. And, and of course, he, again, somebody's continued my work and, and, and he deduces that somebody has amplified an individual's electromagnetic field. And of course, in science fiction, we, we know the whole idea about um, augmenting humans to do any of a number of things, whether it's a, a super soldier or, you know, whatever. But he's pretty convinced it was a human being that caused the crash and, and not necessarily, you know, a, a terrorist, you know, uh, act. And it doesn't take them long to th- consider that maybe this was just an accident albeit with, within the context of uh, an incident that would fit within the, the pattern. but Right. Well, plus the guy's clocking at 165, so it's like, how much yeah, of a threat right. can he be? You know, like. Right. Now, now, the other scene that, I don't want to say it bothers me, I guess it confuses me a little bit. Um, you know, Olivia tells Broyles about Walter's theory and all that, and, and she's in her office late at night. I think this is after Broyles has... Uh, already come by and and you know said i'll send some files to you suddenly her lights go out and she's alone in the office john scott walks out of the elevator i'm here to help and of course she's terrified tells her she's on the right track why do the lights go out now that doesn't have anything to do with sharing a consciousness with john scott right good good point good point so Joseph Megar is nowhere in that vicinity that we know of. Why would he be? So I'm I'm having a little trouble wrapping my head around what that actually means other than just for dramatic effect. And I'm thinking like, this is fringe. You don't need to add any faux dramatic effect. I mean, we got plenty as it is. So right, well, yeah, exactly. Like a hundred percent. Like any, it, it was done for a reason. Like there's some, like actual again in the world of fringe, an actual like quote unquote scientific reason that it happened. Yeah. No, we don't get an answer in this episode, and I I doubt we're going to. Again, I don't remember. You know, it, it's almost like why would she bring that up? And not having been there, I don't know. Well, I should. I was going to say, how would Walter make a supposition? But you know, this is Walter Bishop; he'd come up with something. So I, I guess at at the end, we just have to look at it as another of the incidents when John Scott's consciousness is trying to point her in the right direction, and you know, get to Fisher before. Uh, he gets to use, uh, we assume he means uh, Joseph Megar. On the one hand, are, are they making an indictment against all of these self-improvement plans, whether it's at the Gold's Gym or you know, an ad in the back? Do they even have ads in the back of the magazines anymore? I guess in 2008 maybe they did, but yeah. it seems so long ago, dude. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it is. I mean, they, they're literally listening to a Walkman with a cassette tape. So, well, that's true. You know, that's true. I, that's just wondering. Oh, like, did, would we still, I think probably by 2008, I really wasn't listening to cassettes so much anymore, but might have still had them around. Might have had like a cassette player in at least one of our cars still. Yeah, I think I did as well. And, and again, that was a really cool way for Walter to obtain Megar's electronic signature. And again, I mean, it sounded plausible what he was doing. <laughs> you know, as, I mean, as we does all everything. know about. I was like, okay, well, yeah, but I mean, but but I mean, sure. the whole idea of magnetizing and degaussing tapes is is something I think for most of us of our age. It's it's something that crossed our paths, you know, whether with cassette tapes or even VHS tapes. So we were careful, you know, don't put them too close to the the speaker because there's a powerful magnet in your speaker, and and you know, so okay, fine, and you know, we get the the you know the sound waves on the on the computer, and he takes out the okay, fine, you can do that. Well, so it, it was cool how, how he did that, yeah. and. I'm not sure exactly how he imprinted the the pigeons. Was that that thing where it, it was like this Dr. Frankenstein yeah. looking, you know, and he was, so I guess he had to do each pigeon individually. Yeah, and, and, and Asher was like, are you going to fry them? And Walt was like, mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the whole idea of homing pigeons, I mean, you know, it, it worked out. It worked out great. They yeah, the Rats with wings. Know. again another another but but you know i I think the the thing about that exchange that that's meaningful is last episode she wouldn't even look at him right so has she forgiven walter yeah maybe she's not forgiven him but she's coming to understand this man this madman, this genius, whatever that, that she's working side by side. And, and I think she's certainly smart enough to understand what an important role the team plays. And, and, you know, she's part of this. So I I just thought that was, that was a pretty cool thing for her to do to indicate we're on the path to repairing our relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, obviously if if we think about, not obviously, but in, in the quote unquote real world, um, you know, Astrid could have said, listen, I can't, I can't do this. I can't work with that guy. Um, and I'm sure the FBI would be like, okay, fine. You know, absolutely. We'll tra- transfer you out of there or whatever. But she doesn't, you know, as you said, I, she, she obviously sees the value of what they're doing and, um, you know, sticks it out and um, is, if nothing else to say, professional enough to rebuild that relationship with Walter, even though she has to still be pretty, you know, upset. I mean, Peter still is bearing the scars of last episode. So it's not that long afterwards, Um, but she is. Well, she's also got, I was just going to say, she's also going to be thinking, well, what's going to happen next? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, don't turn your back on him, I guess is is the point. And and she understands. Well, just you know, I'm just early on. Um, you know, Astrid is just such a like underappreciated character, you know. But um, you know, I, I think it, in time grows to be a, a fan favorite. 
Oh, no, no question. And and I think the, the relationship and the exchanges that she has with Walter are very often highlights of the episode. And it, it's not that she doesn't have exchanges with the other members of the team because of course she does and and you know they they make it clear from the beginning she is a junior agent and this is probably a, a really plum assignment for her but but still i mean it, it's a lot to ask a person to uh to take in and then you know again as i mentioned before we're, we're uh, are you sure this is going to work of course not but yeah. the other thing you know, we've talked about the relationship between Peter and Olivia and, you know, we don't spend much time, you know, on the shipping angle. I mean, that's, that's there, that's obvious, uh, whatever, but there's, there's a lot of playful banter that's going on between the two as they're driving, following the birds. And, and I, I think he, I forget how he explains it. And he says, I have you to thank for this, don't I? And she's like, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And, and it's just like that that smile between the two of them, because they haven't really had that defining moment like Astrid had where Walter right. injects her and knocks her out. I mean, certainly Peter's been frustrated with some of the things that have happened with Walter, but it's not really Olivia's fault per se. But still, you know, that 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 bond between the two of them, just I I just love the playfulness between the two. And then they get there and she tells him stay in the car, which he does this time, at least for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And that was classic. I mean, what would you think about how they finally get Megar? You know, with the crowbar, Peter, again, 165, you know, Josh Jackson, he's probably at least you know, 190. He looks like a pretty solid guy. Do you really need the crowbar to take him down? You know, the guy's, you know, as skinny as all get out. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm watching on the uh, DVDs that I have, and and I don't ordinarily watch too many of the extras, but I'm like, all right, I've got some time. I'll I'll watch one of the extras. And they were – examining that scene and, and you know how they made all the sparks flying and all of that and and they were talking about you know the the guy that plays joseph Megar. it's like geez when i ran past there i was like scared to death when all those <laughs> sparks but then they you know they showed actually it was with the extras surprise surprise that uh wax them with the crowbar but i guess what i loved about that is, is that it, it was a pretty intense chase scene and all of a sudden it was like boom it's over crowbar to the chest old school done and like you said okay he could have taken him himself but you know this is a guy that's got some power that they don't really understand yet so let's not mess around knock him out and then we'll move on this is also two weeks in a row that you know peter has been strategically able to place himself right where the you know the guy they're chasing is going to run by right right um, and, and then that line, even before, where Fisher tells Megar, "Look what science has made you, Joseph, special." And you know that that's a theme we've seen a lot, and I suspect we'll see a lot more in Fringe as well, because you know, it's, it's pretty unlikely Doctor Fisher is going to be the only doctor conducting no experiments uh, of this sort. But anyway, uh, anything else you want to bring up about this one? There's a, the picture that of of Agent Scott's effects 
there's a picture in that box, right? There's a picture of kids with the wedding yeah. ring that Olivia doesn't really, she just kind of tosses it back in. You know, she looks at it just really quickly. So um, I feel like that seems to be kind of an important thing. It's something he locked in that box with the wedding ring, you know? Yeah, but I couldn't make any sense of it either. No, so. no, it was just, it was just like, yeah. Walter says that uh, he's talking about Joseph Hill. He'll, he'll give off a stronger feel than your average Joe, right? Oh. Which is like funny because his name is Joseph. right. And and you assume Walter doesn't understand why that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> if if he even remembers that that guy's first name is Joe, right? Well, considering he can't remember, I, I she did catch him at one time calling her Trudy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think, if I remember correctly, there's there's some place someone has compiled all the names that Walter called Astrid over the the time of of the show. So, yeah, yeah. I think. Well, just one, you know, um, Joseph did get to eventually put his hand on that girl's thigh. So I noticed that. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, are you kidding me? But okay, I, I think we then have to cut him some slack as he gets up and he removes it immediately. But I dude, right. I did notice that in yeah. my rewatch um and you know just slightly bit maybe the guy joseph looks a little bit like chris holden reed a little bit i don't know uh, i could like, see that in the eyes a little bit i'm thinking yeah so yeah. give him a beard yeah know? yeah you know um i think that and a little that, confidence yeah a lot, a lot more i'm sure the actor has loads of confidence but you know that character man holy yeah cow. sure yeah i think that might be all i have okay All right, well, let's get to the feedback and hear what Fred's got for us this week. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewards. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe, Season 1, Episode 5. This episode reminds me actually quite a bit of the series Alphas with David Straithane. I really like that series. It's about a set of people that have supernatural abilities but they also trying to locate or chase people with supernatural abilities and sometimes these people don't know they have these abilities or they don't have them under control just like in this episode of fringe actually i like that series a lot came to it because tatiana maslani of orphan black had one guest role in one episode but uh, the sad story about this series is that it was cancelled after two seasons with a terrible cliffhanger. Nevertheless, I find it worth watching. In the category, what did we watch? There is actually one period in a year that I do binge sometimes a series. And that's actually between Christmas and New Year, more or less. So just like you, Dave, I started to watch many episodes of Lucifer. And although quite different, it reminds me a little bit in the supernatural sense of Lost Girl. So episode 5 here of Fringe reminded me quite a bit of Alphas. And the other thing I want to say about this episode is that the way that Olivia sees John Scott is not so crazy in the sense of that by connecting to his memories, etc., that she imagines him and knows things that he knows. For instance, this storage room where he did his more or less private investigation and had a lot of files there. 
Um, I can imagine that, but I really wonder because Walter said something like there is only place for one voice in your head. How long this will take, and if this will also give kind of give a kind of clashes between his memory, his brain, and her own brain. In the end, she will probably prevail, and I don't think John Scott will take over. But I really wonder how long this will take. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. That one can go up the back, thank you, my dear. What's my name? Uh, starts with A, yes? Astrid. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it. Well, I can definitely see the parallels with alphas. I, I love David Straithorn uh, in, in anything. Um, just about him. Mean, he plays good guys and bad guys, I think, with equal aplomb. But, uh, okay, he's good you know, and, I, and I mentioned this to Fred in, in, in a Facebook message a few days ago, that Alphas was one of those shows that, that I wanted to like it. But I just, I just never really drew me in. And then, of course... It got canceled after one season, so I thought, all right, then it is what it is. So I, I don't. I think Fred says it has a pretty major cliffhanger uh, at the end. So he did. Uh, so right there, that's reason enough to not watch it. But yeah, did it you ever watch cool. it? I've never seen it. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's again, it's a cool concept, but just just never never pulled me in. So uh-huh. anything about Fred's feedback? Um, no, just, you know, we kind of had mentioned it in the show where he was wondering whether, you know, like her seeing John, you know, what, if that makes sense and is it crazy? And, and again, just like, well, yeah, in the real world, it's super crazy, but in the context of the show, not so much. Right. Yeah. So and I like um, the sound clip at the end. It was good. Yeah. So, uh, so what do you want to give it for a grade? I'm thinking the um, B. Okay, that's exactly just solid B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm good with that. So. I was, I was like leaning B minus, but then, like I said, I thought about the pigeons. I'm like, you know, that was actually pretty cool, funny. The rats with wings line was funny. There's some good dialogue lines. Yeah, I'll give it a that, B. That, that, and I think the thing about the dialogue lines, they weren't throwaway. And I think Fringe does a great job of making every piece of dialogue count and and you know like you said the rats with wings uh, when, when she asks him if it's going to work and uh the the little thing where olivia tells him to stay in the car and and just so yeah fred thank you for the feedback and i guess we'll head over to the spoiler zone for a moment and as we say each week if you have not seen the entire series stop listening now unless you want to be spoiled and yeah if you yeah, do you do then go ahead um, you know, I didn't feel like there was a whole lot in this episode that would qualify. I've got one tidbit, but d- did you find anything? I really didn't. No, there wasn't I mean, anything that, that yeah, that, I mean, stuck that we hadn't thing, already discussed. Yeah, right. And, 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 and we have discussed this. I'll mention it anyway. When, when Peter tells, uh, I'm sorry, when Walter tells Peter what it's like to not be operating with all of oh, the brain, yeah, 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 and of yeah, course, that, right, yes. Right, and of course we know that, that he has you know, surgically removed part right. of his brain. Yeah. And 
whether or not that's what he means when he says that to Peter, we don't know. Well, I, don't I think suspect he, he, he does. He says it realizing that that's what he did to himself. Yes. You know, it's just his experience of, of like trying to remember stuff and he just can't access stuff he can't remember it so you know for him he's metaphorically saying you know like to not have access to part of your brain you know again in in the spoiler zone we know that well you literally cut some of your brain out dude anyway all right well i guess we will leave it there um you know again i think we both feel the same way we don't want to uh, make any listeners feel like we're, we're really bashing this episode it's a 20 episode season yeah and they're not all gonna be lo- cracker jacks right but it does move the story forward i think we certainly have to ask how long olivia is going to see john i mean i, I think on the one hand this would be a logical point for it to stop i mean she's got his files what else does he really need to tell her at this point? And, and well, the only know. thing is, like we, you know, we know that they're like the the guy's body, like all healed up and stuff, right? Back at massive dynamics. So it's like, okay, that to me that seems to like we have not. You're absolutely right that this would be a good place to put John Scott to bed, right? Like he said, I want to prove that I love you. He did. She found the ring. His consciousness can be assuaged and can go away. But like I said, we know Massive Dynamics got that body sitting back there ready to go. And who knows what they're going to do with that. All right. They've already thrown out reanimation as a possibility. So I don't know how they would explain it to the rest of the world, but right. hey, whatever. All right. Well, we will go ahead and leave it there. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Fringe. Anything else going on in your genre TV world, join the Facebook group if you haven't already. Emails can go to sci-fi-tv-rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 6 of Fringe. But until then... Yeah, Dave, I was actually went back and listened to some old episodes and looking over some of your, I guess, more questionable ratings from some past episodes. And the only way I can explain what you were doing was... I'm sure it had something to do with the commies. It always did back then. <laughs>